Check out Mogul, the new series from Gimlet Media and the Loudspeakers Network. The series tells the story of hip-hop legend Chris Lighty. Chris Lighty managed stars like LL Cool J, 50 Cent, and Busta Rhymes. It's a story about the birth of hip-hop and the birth of a hip-hop legend, but it's also about the darker side of the industry and a lot of stuff that people would rather not talk about. Listen to Mogul now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Please be advised that the language that you're about to hear in this upcoming podcast may not be suitable for your little kitties. Yo, it's Chance the Rapper, and I'm with Stretch and Bobbito. What's up? What's up? Stretch, Bobbito, what's up? It's actually, what up? I don't Rolls want to interrupt up? your beautiful song, but it's what's good. What's good? What's good? Yeah. What's good? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take two. That could be a part of the feature. All right, cool, yeah. cool. Let's re- let's start it over. Uh, as if that like I didn't just give you guys a Grammy winning song. Let's try this again. Okay. <laughs> Stretch, what's happening? Cool Bob Love, my man. What's good? <laughs> What's good with Stretch and Bobito? Listen, what you know, we always ask about what we think about current hip hop. I know, I know. I'm not going to ask you I'm that. I'm not snoring for hip hop. I'm snoring for the question. No, for sure. But I am going to ask you, what's the last, on a positive note, what's the last hip hop record that you fell in love with? Oh, easy question. I like the easy ones. It was A Tribe Called Quest. Thanks for your service. We got it from here. Well, why, Stretch? We're, no, I, actually, I know why, but I want you to explain why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're huge Tribe fans. You know, the anticipation was crazy. Um, hip-hop, uh, in terms of the mainstream art form, has changed so much. And I think people were really anticipating what Tribe called Quest, how they would fit into today's hip-hop, how they would fit into today's political landscape, you know, in the middle of Black Lives Matter, what the record would be like, you know, with Fife, you know, suffering from an illness, which eventually took his life in the yeah. midst of recording it. By the time sure. the record came out, of course, he had already passed. There was the election as well, you know, and they came out and splashed Saturday Night Live with mm-hmm. We the People, which was a song that was, you know, the most explicit political record they ever made. Of course, you know, none of that means anything if the record isn't really connecting with you on a on an emotional musical level and it did all of that it was one of those records that just invited you in and then locked the door once you were in it just wouldn't let you stop listening to it, it was so compelling and so funky well listen uh our guest today chance the rapper uses his platform to affect politics both locally and i think eventually globally he is at the scores table ready to check into this game stay tuned Support for this podcast and the following message come from WordPress.com. Creating your website on WordPress.com helps your customers find you, remember you, and connect with you. At WordPress.com, you'll find hundreds of beautiful designs, the ability to add a custom domain name, and features to make your business more visible online. Using the technology that powers 28% of all websites. Get 15% off your new website today at WordPress.com stretch. Right, we're gonna jump in. <laughs> Joining us now is Chance the Rapper. Yeah. 
Cigarettes on cigarettes, my mama think I stank I got burn holes in my hoodies, all my homies think it stank I miss my cocoa butter kisses I miss my cocoa butter kisses He's only 24, but he has already had a career most artists could only dream of. This year, Chance won three Grammys for Best New Artist, Best Rap Performance, and Best Rap Album. In 2015, Chance was the first unsigned artist to ever perform on Saturday Night Live. And in March, he donated one million pesos to the public school system that he attended as a kid. That's a dollars. Chance, welcome to the show. <laughs> Yo, thanks for having me. Good looking, man. Uh, you've had a long day today? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I'm in Tampa, you know, finishing up this tour. And uh, this is my last date, so I have my whole family come out. So I've been with the baby and a bunch of other babies, my cousins and my aunts and uncles and grandmas and great aunts and all that type of stuff. So Nice. It's been tiring, but it's been awesome. Nice. But, How swift are you on the diaper change in between songs? Uh, like two two seconds. Two seconds tops. <laughs> Which is slowed down, you know, yeah, I'm just because I'm on tour. I'm a first-time parent myself, so I'm, I got nice with it. At first, it was very intimidating, but listen, um, we want to talk about mixtapes because I was mentoring a young teen in Harlem about a decade ago, and he was like, yo, Bob, I got this mixtape. I want you to check it out. I'm like, oh, word, cool. I, I didn't know you DJed. He's like, nah, nah, I rhyme. I said, oh, okay, well, you know, who mixed the records for you? He's like, no, I'm rhyming over other people's beats, and it's more like an album. And I was like, so you going to pass me the tape? And he was like, nah, 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 it's, it's online. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 50, <laughs> I'm 50 years old. You know, I've been down with hip-hop since Jump. So it's intriguing to me, this entire new uh, sort of reinvigoration of the word and the element of what a mixtape is. And it's obviously played a crucial role for your career. So I want to get yeah. some sensibility from you about what it has meant for you. Yeah, I mean, like my music is for everybody. I've been a, a big, not just like spectator, but also instrumental in this evolving of mixtapes and mediums for moving music. And mixtapes have always been kind of a guerrilla style means of, of, of moving music and you know, tax free and you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, just a little bit off the a little bit off the off the record. But it's it's just evolved because music's been around forever. But the music business is is newer and you know, publishing is newer and record deals are, are newer. And uh because they're constantly catching up, people kinda have to find new ways to get around it. And so when I dropped Ten Day it was my first like mixtape under the name Chance the Rapper. It was about four years ago now. Um, you know, I wanted to be on iTunes and I wanted it to be, you know, everywhere uh, that that people could access it. But you know, at the time, my fan base wasn't putting money in, into my projects immediately. But I knew that if I put out the tape, they'd come to the show. So when I dropped it, I put it out for free so that everybody could get it. It was only on SoundCloud because SoundCloud was the only place I could get a subscription to be able to post music and not have to pay no subscription. <laughs> and, and also, it worked everywhere, worldwide. You know what I'm saying? If I did an iTunes thing, I would have to do iTunes America, iTunes Canada, iTunes blah, 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 you know? And it was it was accessible. And that was that kind of became my, my MO, was trying to make sure that the streets could get it, that young white suburban teens could get it, and that geriatric old motherfuckers could get it too. <laughs> 
Gee, thanks. <laughs> Anybody. You know what I'm saying? I was at uh, a show that you did as a surprise guest at Styx Jam in Brooklyn. You were there? I was there. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Oh, damn. I'd never seen you perform before. And, you know, once you got out, I, I can't front. I was really tired. I, I, I just was, it was just one of those days. And when you came out, I was like lying down on the couch in the back and I got up. Are you serious? And what I was really That's love. just amazed by was you were just feeding the crowd this really palpable, positive energy. And I think that's why you've resonated with kids so much. In fact, mm. you've come to represent this concept, Black Boy Joy, a recent movement that's about sharing images and videos of black men feeling good and, and enjoying themselves. What does it mean to you to be this ambassador of black joy and optimism, especially in these times? Um, it's important. I understand that there's a multitude of experiences that make up the black experience because I'm black and I have black cousins and there's still one life that I'm living, but I've lived many different black experiences. And I only say that to say, it's really just because of the fact that I'm famous that I guess like what you just said, a, a ambassador for Black Boy Joy. But I'm happy that people are able to catch um, a black man on film and document and, and make history of, of a successful black man that's, you know, I consider myself to be a positive person, and that shit didn't exist like a few years ago. I never heard of Black Boy Joy until this year. So, but it's cool that it's cool that I, I'm, you know, I'm all with it. I live it. Nice. Well, speaking of happiness, you know, when when Bob and I were doing our thing on the radio in the '90s, the idea of, of happiness in hip hop is interesting because that really wasn't on the menu. Like, if you, <laughs> it was a dark time. If you were, if your presentation was like overly happy or positive, with a few exceptions, you stood. A, good chance of getting dissed like that just wasn't really oh, there's a there's a lot of exceptions no though. no there, there are many of tribe there, there are, souls of mischief oh no no of course of course of course but the construct of a bad boy image was pretty common and and dudes had exaggerated storytelling and and their whole persona was completely fabricated yeah your image on the other hand you know runs counter to this in both vibe and personal authenticity how do you think hip-hop has changed to allow you the space to maintain this aura of positive energy yeah I, I appreciate that question. Uh, well, I think the the fact that it's able to be a main stage or mainstream image and, and accept it and celebrate it is because of folks like Kanye, who came in the game and was like, this is who I am, and these are the type of things that I love, and I'm excited about them, and I, and I don't you know, necessarily have to carry myself as anybody that I'm not, and people picked up on it. It's constantly changing because of you know, the accessibility that fans and media folks have to um, the personal lives of, of artists. And so if, if you're saying that you on the block all the time, then you, you got to post selfies on the block now. And if, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you if you say that you're really for the kids, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you need more gotta, people. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like, try, like photo ops and stuff. So I'm lucky to be in a space where I've been accepted for who I am and celebrated for who I am and able to connect with so many people. I think there's always been, bigger than hip-hop, I think there's just always been a quiet, you know, conversation and joke that, like, you know, if you're not hard, if you're not from um, an impoverished neighborhood, if you're not, you know, certain constructs of a black stereotype, then you're not black. And so niggas kind of ran with that in the 90s, I think, and that's why there were so many um, fabricated hood niggas, but you know, now it's like, 
a lot of black people have a lot more pride in being who they are and, and understanding that that is a part of the black experience is, is living who, and being who you are. Um, I think it's, it's more accepted on the on the main stage. Thank you for putting that in, in context because, I, you know, coming from the 90s, it was like the keep it real ever. Even if you weren't real, you still yeah. aspired to keep, keep it. It was keep it real and real meant fake. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, you wrote your album 10 Day during a 10-day suspension. I'm curious, now that you're seeing these new platforms, these new openings, these new awarenesses, where is the inspiration coming from in terms of your daily as well as your not-so-daily for the lyrics, but also your melodies, because it's not easy to write melody and it's not easy to write harmony. And I'm noticing in your music that you have lyrics as well as harmony and melody, and, and that's not always present in, in hip hop as well. So where are all these forces coming from? Yeah, I mean, when I was in high school um, and I put out, well, when I was in high school, I put out a lot of mixtapes, to be honest, obviously. But, you know, I didn't put out a real, real one that people heard or that was under the name uh, Chance the Rapper until my senior year of high school when I got suspended and made that 10-day tape. At the time, I started to... He was keeping uh, it real, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? I was like, I, at the time, I was, I was, I was, I was listening to... Uh, do you remember uh, Freestyle Fellowship? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Once we have the knowledge of us and people, then we can be free and no devil could ever enter the boundaries. I stand in the snow around all these towns. I see blessing all that I found the key. That's how we be. Yo, you just scored points with Bobito. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. We, Shetch and I, we were the first uh, station to play the music on the, on the East Coast. That's crazy. My uncle is from Cali. He was on the Put Me On Souls of Mischief me on you know a lot of like of, of Oakland stuff too and uh I'm saying so he but he's also he's also white so you guys would really fuck with him he's 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 uh but he's the best uncle that I have my favorite uncle uncle Chris he sent me up, freestyle Chris? fellowship at the same time that I was suspended from high school and uh and I started like you know really thinking about flows like rhythm specifically and then on the other side melody a lot more and trying to be a little bit more elastic. And so, like, at the time, it, it was like, all right, I got a simple subject matter, which is, you know, I, I fucking hate school. And then I got, like, a, I have a wide range of ways to play with that. And so today, when I, you know, a project like Coloring Book, it was like, all right, I have several themes. I got God, you know, which is, you know, he's like very, very prevalent in my life now. Or he always been, but but like, you know what I'm saying. And then also I have my family, you know, I have a daughter now. And then, you know, all the things that are going on in Chicago within those things, you know, within my family. And then things that I've been dealing with over the past three years since I released Acid Rap, kind of all those being the varying factor and then kind of attacking it the same way through different tracks was like, just flipping it, characterization. I Boom. So you spent your whole childhood and teen years firmly planted in Chicago. And as a hip-hop artist, you're following the footsteps of a lot of history from Common to Twisted, a rhyme fest, and of course your mentor, Mr. Kanye West. But you recently moved to Los Angeles. You've said that yeah. the time you spent there was creatively unproductive. So what was the move about and how has moving back to Chicago affected your creative process? Uh, like when you live in L.A., it's like... You know, a lot of sitting and waiting, a lot of, like, planning what I'm going to do but not really doing shit. When I, like, would sit, 
around and, and arrange all these different um, choir vocals or sit around and like play with all these different sounds, like I wasn't really creating new stuff. I was just, you know, experimenting. And then towards the end of that of that trip, I, I, I lived in LA for six months and I had this beautiful big crib. Crib isn't the right way to describe it. I had a big obnoxious rapper mansion <laughs> that I was renting. That's the best way to describe it. MTV Cribs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like literally MTV Cribs and at the end, get the fuck out of my house and we have to search all the cameramen because they might have stole some of my expensive rapper shit. So you know what I'm saying? Like, I, it, 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 was, it was crazy because I, I, you know, I didn't have a deal and I did a, a tour um, and made a, a lot of money, you know, first year off ass rap. And so I was like, you know, let me get this crazy crib. Let me move to L.A. Let me record every day. Let me be on the beach every day. And I didn't go to the beach once while I lived in Los Angeles. I just talked about going to Venice all the time and then talked about how long it was going to take, you know. And that, that, like, kind of applied to everything I was doing out there. Um, towards the end, I realized that I had a bad Xanax addiction um, and that I was only really coming back to Chicago for weddings or funerals. And so I was like, you know, I don't want to waste my time here. I don't want to be a visitor when I when I come home or somebody that, you know, you see at the funeral or at the wedding and you talk to for five minutes and then, you know, hope everything's good. Peace. I wanted to be present. So my dad came out and we packed up all my stuff in, in, in two days and I was back in Chicago. And since I've been back, I've been doing great things. <laughs> 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 Execution. So speaking of your father, Ken Williams Bennett, um, he used to work yeah. for Senator Barack Obama and later Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel. You yourself... Yeah. He um, also worked for President Barack Obama, just while we're at it. Okay. Word up. And then uh, before the 2016 presidential election, you performed a concert and led thousands of people to the polls to vote early. You said that, that you don't have any plans to enter into politics, but you've used your platform to encourage political participation and influence policy. Are there ways that you think that you can influence politics as an artist that you perhaps wouldn't be able to as a politician? Um, definitely. I just have a larger platform than all politicians. I have a bigger voice than Donald Trump, you know what I'm saying, than literally anybody that works in politics. And so, yes, I can connect with people on a level of appealing as a person who's still a citizen, who still uh, does uh, you know, what he wants. <laughs> but uh, I have ideas for how to voice opinions and make change that other people just don't have. I have this one idea. Shout out to Mike. We made this website called uh, rapperradio.com. And what it is is a database of all the social media handles of every uh, radio DJ and station on FM between Top 40 um, and Urban. Brilliant. So fans go on the website, and they basically type in their city. It's very. It's, it's also very neat. I just want to pat myself on the back for a clean website. Uh, is it a it, Tumblr? You, no, it's, my, it's a, this is official. You go on the website, you type in your city, and every station that's in your city is available, and you choose which one um, you want to request the song to. So that helped No Problems become the number one um, urban record in the country. Yep. Another pat on the back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
what if there was a rapper radio for policy? Hmm. Boom. And so every time there was, uh, you know, a petition or a uh, some uh, proposition, you could make a database with all the people in Congress that are voting on the laws in which you, which lead your life. If you could tweet storm um, your senator or your congressman and say. Um, these are the actions we want, you know, this is what I'm voting for. This is what I want my followers to vote for, you know? I mean, there there are platforms out there similar to that, but I can't think of any that are led by someone like yourself or someone who is a, a personality that where by the followers would be a little more emotionally invested because they, they believe in a person or a personality and, and the way that this is happening for your rapperradio.com. And also aggregated into one clean, well-designed <laughs> website. <Yes>. Centralized. <laughs> centralized and clean. Well, applause for that. Um, now to the big donation you made to Chicago Public Schools. A little context for our audience. Uh, basically, the school system is saying the state has a separate and unequal funding system that's left the public school system strapped for cash. You made a million dollar donation as a call to action. I can't think of precedent for that in the, definitely not in the hip hop space. Does someone come into your ear and, and be like, yo Chance, let's, let's, let's do this. <laughs> or was that uh, you know part of the legacy of the footsteps that you follow with your father and you know, obviously meeting the great politicians who you have in the past. Where is this space coming from? Um, my dad's a great man. So, yes, I do want to be him when I grow up. Uh, but it's about God. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was fighting for to, to take the um, service charges that my fans pay to Live Nation and to ticket websites um, is, is a little expensive, right? And so... I was working on a deal using my charm <laughs> to <laughs> to to have these guys <laughs> to have these big companies for one tour just for one tour for my tour to just get rid of any service fees and in that way uh my fans would be getting tickets at a cheaper price. And while that deal didn't work out, they came back and said everyone came back and agreed that they would be willing to donate that money to charity. And so originally we had talked about ACLU and a few other causes. And at the same time, there was a lot bubbling in Chicago about this, um, about the state budget, because it doesn't just affect the schools, even though that's one thing that I wanted to shine a light on and how how negatively it's affecting the kids. Um, There's all types of of city and state services that are dwindling or on the cusp of being cut. So I came up with the idea of donating the money. And I said, you know what? That's not my job. You know, charity doesn't always... There's a saying, I can't remember it right now. I don't want to sound fucking stupid on the air. But, there, <laughs> but you know, like, charity isn't always the way, is what I'm trying to say. And so I decided to try and meet with the people that actually decide and allot the funds and, and have direct access to the fund through bills and through um, their elected power. And through all the channels that I was going through, I just kept getting the same answers. And so I said, fuck it, I'll donate the money and see how the people respond and see how the media responds and see if anything gets fast-tracked. And while it hasn't been, you know, exactly how I want it to, there has been a little bit of a political shake-up, and it is a conversation. And in 2018, we're going to pick the people that pick the laws, again, nationwide, but especially in Chicago and in the state. That first million dollars will make a, a, a huge change in about 
13 schools next year, you know, books and arts and, and, and not even just arts, but, but back to like, you know, gen ed, like, <laughs> like actual supplies, mm-hmm. like teachers out of their own paychecks a lot of the time are, are buying supplies for their students because the principal doesn't have the money because the school district doesn't have the money because the yeah. state isn't giving them money. So I think it's not just on artists or on philanthropists to make the change. It is a part of, it is everybody's job to make it a conversation. Y'all pay taxes. I know y'all pay taxes. And I definitely be paying my taxes because I, I know they're waiting for me to slip. So, you know what I'm saying? Some of that money could be just making education fair. So then we got more doctors and more lawyers and more policemen and more, more everything, you know what I'm saying, in the future. You're a product of the Chicago public school system, correct? Yes, sir. And and what was that? What was that experience like for you? Well, he got suspended for ten days. Other, other than those ten <laughs> days. <laughs> no, mine. Well, see, mine was great because this first school that I donated to, Westcott, my neighborhood school, which is literally two blocks walking distance from me, wasn't where I went to grade school. I went to my parents made me test around the city, so I had to travel like six or seven miles to go to where I went to school because they had an accelerated learning program. High school is the same thing. I went through a, a, a thing in CPS called the uh, selective enrollment process. And so if your school gets good enough test scores all around, then that eighth grade class is eligible to test into the top 13 schools in the city. And so then I traveled even further to go to high school downtown in a nice neighborhood where I was taught a lot of stuff that other people weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a Chicago public school. It's just there's a select few that get extra attention, and they have kids with parents from higher-class neighborhoods um, putting money in the trust, so they're not even really you know, relying on, on state funds. Mm-hmm. I, I think we got to get to the impression session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Let's do it. Coming up next is the impression session. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from Blue Apron. Blue Apron partners with sustainable farms, fisheries, and ranchers to bring you all the ingredients you need to create incredible home-cooked meals. Ingredients compared with an easy-to-follow recipe card delivered to your door weekly in a refrigerated box. Rediscover how fun cooking can be while enjoying specialty ingredients and exploring new flavors and cuisines. Get your first three Blue Apron meals free with your first order plus free shipping by visiting blueapron.com slash stretch. What's good with Stretch and Bobitos going on tour this September? Save these dates. September 7th in Brooklyn, New York. September 22nd in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. September 27th in Los Angeles, California. For more information and tickets, keep an eye on nprpresents.org over the coming weeks. We're back. It's time for the impression session. Chance. Yo. Here's how it works. We are going to play you a song each. Stretch will play you one track. I'll play you another. Simply listen, digest, and we want your feedback. Whatever the song makes you feel or however it moves you. I'm, I'm with it. That sounds like an amazing game. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I saw my daughter send a letter to some boy her age who locked up. First I regretted it, then caught my rage. Like, how could I not protect her from this awful face? Never tried to hide who I was, she was taught and raised. Like a princess, but while I'm on stage, I can't leave her defenseless. Plus she see me switching women, pops was on some pimp shit. She heard stories of her daddy thugging. So if her husband is a gangster, can't be mad, I love her. Just the 
a taste of the bass. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Well, that's Daughters by Nas off his Life is Good album. The one with him with the dress, with, with Lisa's dress. Wait, so what, how did that make you feel? Well, it's nostalgic. I remember when it came out, and I obviously didn't have a daughter yet. So it's, it's my first time listening to it again and remembering it. You know, that's my whole thing is I'm overprotective. And I, just yesterday I had like a big, there's a big thing about her running around pools and stuff. I don't know. It's just, it, I've, I feel it though, you know. Do you have a daughter or you have a son? I have a son. It's a lot. I, You know, I don't know what's... People always tell me, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's easy to have a son. But, I, you know, my wife and I, we encounter a lot of things that we have to be cautious about with him raising a child, period. There's, there's a lot of things to to deal with and to be aware of and to prepare for. And, you know, we're first-time parents. You're a first-time parent. Yeah. You know, you don't always know the answers. And you don't always know the course. You try to research and get advice from your elders as best possible and and just you know use your bet your best judgment yeah chance has has having a daughter affected your your creativity in a particular way uh definitely i definitely try and be more deliberate with everything i say more intent behind things that i say my content in it in itself is is changed and i'm you know rapping uh as if I know she's going to listen to it. and um, <laughs> She <you> will. <laughs> but also, just, like, I can't be at the studio all night because I have a daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm more conscious of my time. And I've come to understand that, you know, I think I understood even before she was born that art is awesome. Art is beautiful because it's a reflection of life and describes life and, and shows life and its beauty. But it's it's just a reflection, you know, and like the real thing is my daughter. And so I understand like what's most important now. And it's put like layers on everything and a hierarchy on on everything that happens in my life now. So, yeah. Word up. All right. We're going to play another joint and uh, just take a listen to it and enjoy. And then we'll come back and, and we'll talk about it. Hit it. Cool. Don't shoot the children, I shout. Don't shoot the children, but they say it's too late. They've already been infected by time. But this shit is before my time. I need more time. I need more time. But it's too late. They start shooting at the children and killing them one by one, two by two, three by three, four by four, five by five, six by six. But my spirit is growing seven by seven, faster than the speed of light. Because light only penetrates the darkness that's already there And I'm already there I'm here at the end of the road Which is the beginning of the road beyond time But where my niggas at? Oh shit Oh shit, don't tell me my niggas got lost in time My niggas are dying before their time My niggas are serving unjust time My niggas are dying because of time Chance, that's an artist by the name of Saul, Saul Williams. Yes, yes. And I've that's seen, all- yeah, it's from Slam. Exactly. Sorry, I'm not trying to cut you off. I, there's another poem in that movie called Amethyst Rock. That's one of my favorite Saul Williams poems. He's a genius um, and just a legendary person. So I think it's cool that y'all played that. No but, doubt. Yeah, I'm sorry. Ask a question. No, no, no. I, I had the pleasure of introducing him on stage at the New York and I used to host uh, events there. It's crazy. And I remember the first time he performed that, the room was completely silent. I mean, in the film, everybody claps, but that poem was so deep, and the way he performed it as a spoken word, 
I just thought I thought of playing it for you today and sharing it with you to try to get something out of his words there and the way he delivered them to me was almost like a, a call for action. And I think of civil rights, you know, I think of Chicago, I think of what you're doing apart from your music, but also, I mean, that was recorded, right? That was in the film Slam, that was on an album, that soundtrack sold a lot of copies in certain countries and affected a lot of people and inspired them. So what I'm trying to get at is, where is your music gearing towards in terms of bridging it with civil rights? Um, well, I think where my music meets my personal obligation as a human and as a black man is always fighting for freedom and always fighting for liberation and for a voice and, and access. Mass incarceration isn't a new thing, you know, but like we were talking about earlier with the advancements of people and people's thoughts and how that interacts with what, what technological advancements we've made has allowed for like more discussion and more free thought on it and and we're in a generation of action so there'll be more changes. Beautiful. Love Word. that generation of action. There it is. And uh listen, we you know, Stretch and I we we've had the great pleasure of interviewing some phenomenal people on this show and we want to applaud you for what you're doing. You know, we're all working towards something really positive. And so keep on being who you are and keep on doing what you're doing. Indeed. And um, we want to say thank you for sharing your time with us. We know you've you got a hectic schedule and a daughter to attend to and a tour to finish up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I want to say thank you guys for letting me be a part of the show. And I'm glad it's back. And I, and I really, uh, you know, next time I'm on, I, I, I want y'all to asked me to freestyle not now because y'all just reminded me that i do have to pick up my baby but 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 i i i do appreciate what y'all have done in music and uh and 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 you guys position in, in hip-hop music and what it's done for people thus far and will continue to do word Pio. thanks man coolio yo i appreciate you guys for real thank no you doubt. we appreciate it take care man all right peace all right i'll see y'all around peace yeah man that is our show. This podcast was produced by Sammy Yenigan, edited by Steve Nelson and Nigeri Eaton, and executive produced by Abby O'Neill. Special big ups to our VP of Programming, Anya Grunman. If you like the show, you should check out our interviews with Mahershala Ali and Dave Chappelle. And Eddie Wong, too. He's, he's a laugher. Listen on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts. Peace in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's Chance the Rapper with Stretch and Bobby. What's good? What's good? What's good? It's Chance and Stretch and Bobby. What's good? What's good?